Today's podcast is brought to you by our very good friends at Practice Evolution Prime. Practice Evolution Prime was created to bridge the gap from school to success. You can be successful, you should be successful, and being successful takes work. You have to gain the skills and foundation to be the sought-after family chiropractor, and our goal is to create extraordinary family chiropractors. This program is not easy. It will challenge you. It will push you. We choose to only work with doctors and students who are teachable, principled, and willing to work hard to improve their skills, practice, and their lives. If you are interested in learning more about this program and to apply, or if you are a patient looking for a PEP Prime doctor, visit our website, pepprime.com. That's pepprime.com, or call the Practice Evolution Program at 801-281-1646. Hey, everyone. And welcome to the KiddoCast for Chiropractic Families, the world's first and only podcast committed to normalizing complementary and alternative care, particularly chiropractic care for children by sharing the experiences of the doctors in the trenches. In our time together, we will talk with pillars in the alternative healthcare world to give you the tools you'll need to make positive change in the health of your children today. Simply put, we're here to change the trajectory of modern healthcare. I'm your host, Dr. Daniel Bronstein. I'm a pediatric and family chiropractor certified by the Academy Council of Chiropractic Pediatrics and the director of the Beacon Clinic of Chiropractic in beautiful Grover Beach, California. And listeners, today we have an amazing, amazing treat. This is uh, an interview that I've been looking forward to for a very, very long time. A colleague and friend will be joining us today and we'll talk about all sorts of amazing things to help your kiddos uh, get healthy. And uh, that person is uh, Dr. Monica Berger. Dr. Berger graduated from Life Chiropractic College West in 1991. She also has had an undergraduate degree in exercise physiology from California State University, Fresno. She has enjoyed extensive postgraduate training in the areas of neurodevelopment, functional neurology, neuronutrition, and functional medicine. She currently has a private family practice in Ammon, Idaho, that is dedicated to serving those neurodevelopmental challenges, neurodegenerative disorders, and chronic health issues. And I got the opportunity to spend some time with Dr. Monica at that office in Idaho, and it's absolutely beautiful. She's the pioneer in the chiropractic profession when it comes to working with children that have neurosensory and neurodevelopmental disorders. She was an instructor for the International Chiropractic Pediatrics Association for over a decade, as well as an instructor at Life Chiropractic College West. She also held a position in the Board of Regents for Life Chiropractic College West. Dr. Berger lectures nationally and internationally on neurophysiology, functional neurology, functional biochemistry and nutrition, and neurofunctional development. She is a contributing author to the textbook Pediatric Chiropractic, uh, both Volumes 1 and Volume 2, published by Lippincott, Williams, and Wilkins, with chapters on pediatric history and physical exam, neurodevelopmental disorders, and sensory processing disorder. Dr. Monica, thank you so much for taking the morning to be with us today. I'm really looking forward to hearing what you have to say. Hey, my pleasure. This is exciting. And thank you for doing this um, to help change lives and change future generations. Um, so God bless you in that work. Well, thank you much. And uh, it, obviously, the feeling is very mutual. Um, I, I think the best way for us to proceed, because there's going to be a ton of content that we got to go over today. 
the best way for us to proceed is to set a baseline for our parents. Um, I, I think the majority of the parents who are listening to the podcast uh, are, are aware of the basic tenets of chiropractic. Uh, we're going on, you know, the, the middle of our second season here. We've talked a lot about uh, the neurology and the physiology of the subluxation. Uh, we've talked a, a, a fair amount about the biochemistry and, and neurology involved there. Um, because of your specialty, because of your special approach and the niche and the work that you do, uh, it would be really, I think, helpful for you to talk about um, the types of folks that you see in your practice and the approach that you take to help these, uh, these, these kiddos meet their full potential, Doc. Sure, sure. Um, half of my practice is dealing with those kiddos that have um, been labeled with a neurodevelopmental disorder. Um, I personally don't like labels. I, labels are merely telling us that um, the nervous system and the functional capacity of that individual is um, hampered to some degree. Um, but they come in with a label or several labels. Um, oftentimes they have odd, uh, labeled autism, ADD, ADHD, oppositional defiant disorder, um, reactive um, attachment disorder. Lots of times it's four or five labels that they have. <laughs> Um, so half of my practice is dealing with those children. The other half is dealing with adults and children with chronic health issues, um, be that gastrointestinal dysfunction, immune compromise, um, what we call methylation disorders. So, um, and, and in regards to the adults in that capacity, I like to work with them because a lot of them want preconception care. Mm. How do we help avoid a child, um, later on receive one of those labels. Hmm. So that's that's essentially what I do. I take a very comprehensive approach. I call it a system-wide approach um, in regards to a neuronutritional status, um, a functional neurology status. Um, what, is the, what is the status of the immune system and the nervous system? The nervous system controls the immune system. So I take a very comprehensive approach when tackling these cases. And, and we have to. Uh, I, I think in the chiropractic world, uh, quote unquote autism, right? It's, it's, it's a really hot button term right now. But yeah. I, I think we, we have to understand that there's so many different complexities that go into, um, you know, not just the, the care of these children, but um, also the, the diagnosis, right? And I know, you know, the label doesn't really matter to, to docs like us. We're looking at the objectives for sure. Um, and I, I learned a ton when I spent time with you about some of the underlying, you know, biochemical things that are going on with these children. Um, let's, let's talk a little bit about, um, let's just keep it simple, right? Let's, let's go back to sensory processing issues. Let's talk about kind of what the major concomitants are with sensory processing, because I know a lot of parents are listening and they, they have some children that are showing some challenges, but they don't know exactly, you know, where to go. They don't know exactly what to look for. They just know that maybe the child is, is just a little off. That's, that's the, the one thing that I hear from my parents pretty yep. commonly when they come into my office. So let's, let's talk a little bit about that and expand from there. Yeah. One of my favorite areas. Um, so let's talk about um, let's talk about early in the first couple years of life when um, parents might see 
a child being or may not or get that famous line that oh they'll grow out of it don't worry about it they'll right. grow out of it yeah um one of my um my, my biggest um passions in the last couple of years has been looking at um, not only physical development but mental development hmm. Um, we've got a rise of one in five children in this country said to have a quote unquote mental disorder. Mm. And in 2010, the CD actually in 2013, I believe it was the CDC said that, um, one of the number one reasons, if not the number one reason that children are being admitted to hospital stays for hospital stays is a mood disorder. Hmm. But interestingly enough, they also said that children with mood disorders um, or mental disorders also had um, other neurophysiological issues going on, such as GI issues, such as diabetes, such as asthma, allergies. Mm -hmm. So we need to look at the whole complexity of the child. And what's happening is in very fun stuff in the neuropsychiatric realm, is looking at movement in the first couple years of life and how that alters um, mental development. Hmm. And when we look at movement, movement is necessary for proper sensory motor development. Yeah, I mean, and and that that's one of the things that we talk about, I think, with all of our parents right off the bat. That's why we check babies as soon as they're born, because we want to make sure that all the hardwired programming is online. I mean, primitive reflexes is a huge deal these days in in our offices because we're making sure that those hardwired, basically cross-crawl patterning reflexes are all functioning the way they're supposed to. I mean, if I had a dollar for every single time I saw a kiddo come into my office who didn't have a a normal asymmetric tonic neck reflex, for example, um, I mean, that's probably half of my practice it seems like these days because these kids not only can't elicit that normal sort of cross crawl functioning um, but they can't rotate their their spines appropriately so what does that lead to it leads to latching issues it leads to um, digestive distress it leads to all the other stuff that chiropractors typically see in their offices but that's just the tip of the iceberg right um, these these certain movement uh, programs that aren't integrated or at least um, uh, utilized appropriately by the nervous system throughout the first several months of life will contribute to the snowball effect later on. We identify it early, it's easy to correct, but we identify it later, it's a big problem. After I studied with you, the first time I saw a, a moral response in an adult after a concussion, I was like, oh, holy moly, this is not okay. But this person yeah. has had issues with a so-called trust fall, right, for... 15 years and everybody used you know, makes fun of him right because he can't you know lean over or fall over without completely you know losing his balance um that's a problem um sorry i didn't mean to step on your toes but yeah no, you, you, no, no, you, no. this is You're important absolutely right and if we look if if parents understand that as chiropractors yes we're going to look at the structural deficits mm. and a what we call subluxation let's say in the pelvis in the low back mm. and in the pelvic girdle that can restrict that infant from progressing movement-wise and what we call integrating these reflexes. So let's look at the cascade. Poor a, a subluxation in, in alteration in biomechanics of the spine can inhibit a child from specific movement patterns, which will inhibit 
what we call these primitive reflexes, which you've talked about on your show before, mm -hmm. from integrating. Now let's look at that as a bigger pattern. When that happens, abnormal sensory input into the brain um, or appropriate sensory input into the brain, but abnormal processing in the brain occurs. Mm -hmm. Well, that what happens is that input into the brain eventually makes its way to what we call the limbic system, which is the emotional center of the brain. As individuals, we every decision we make in life is made from an emotional point of view. It's made from that that um, limbic system of our brain. So, if we get stuck in this limbic, I call it limbic lock and load mode. We, the reasoning center, the higher functioning center of our brain, that what we call the frontal lobe or executive function of the brain, the CEO of our brain, he shuts down mm. because we're stuck in a limbic, in this emotional center. So what I tell people is, have you ever tried to reason with a significant other or reason with somebody in the middle of a heated argument when you're in this emotional state, you can't reason with that person because that reasoning center is shut down. The CEO of the brain is shut down. And that's what's happening with these kiddos. And they can't reason, they can't make good, good decisions, um, um, self-modulate their body. Right. I mean, you're so describing this like constant crisis, right? Everything is crisis uh, or stress Absolutely. response. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so can they make an appropriate decision that maybe it's not a good, wise thing to do harm to somebody else because they can't reason? And what happens is, so the sensory input comes into the brain, whether it's skewed when it comes in or it's not skewed, but in the brain, it can't leave that limbic system. It goes to a part of the brain, I call it the fear monger. It's called the amygdala. I call it the fear monger. Um, it's part of that limbic system, but it has a trajectory out to the, um, the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis. Um, and that regulates our stress hormones. And from there, a whole neurochemical cascade ensues. Your hormones can be altered. Your, what we call your cortisol output gets altered. Essentially, you're constantly running from the tiger. You're constantly in this stress mode. And we shouldn't be in that stress mode all the time. That should be reserved for a time when we absolutely need it, when there is a tiger to run from. Hmm. Hmm. When we don't, when we, when we're in that stress mode all the time, we can't do what we call rest and digest our food. We get an inflammatory response throughout the body, including the gut. And what we know now is the gut is the second brain. Hmm. So you have two brains. You have your brain in your head and you have your quote unquote brain in your gut. And now we just have a whirlwind of breakdown from a neurological perspective in the brain and a physiological perspective in the rest of the body. Hmm. And I mean, it, it, it seems like 
this is becoming much more ubiquitous, right? The much more quote unquote normal. Um, I mean, the common underlying theme in the podcast is that normal and common are two completely different concepts. Absolutely. But when you see enough of it over and over and over, uh, we start to brainwash ourselves into believing that it's okay. And the fact is, it's anything but. These kids that are showing signs of, of sensory processing um, issues uh, are going to have a lot of other chronic dis-ease-like uh, uh, processes in their bodies that are going to prevent normal healing. Um, I, I find when I'm having and this... Can I, inject, can I inject something right there? Please. I, it's very important for, for parents to understand and the public to understand. It's not just physical breakdowns. It is a, it's going to lead to mental health issues as well. Correct. Yeah, it's really important. I, I, I tend to, I, you know, it's funny. I did a bunch of doula training this year. And the, the reason that I did it wasn't necessarily to serve as a doula for my pregnant moms, but it was to it was to spend time really getting into the heads of these providers and working on, um, uh, I, I'd say, like empathy training, you could say, right? I mean, and I see a lot of children. I see a lot of pregnancy in my practice. You, I think you know how my practice runs. But I find that um, it, it's it's becoming more and more challenging to look at our parents and say, well, no, there are some things wrong here, right? And in a way that makes sense. And obviously, it's really hard, me being a parent myself, to have to have that conversation with some of our really, really sick kids. Um, but with that said, I, I think we need to emphasize the fact that these, as long as we can identify these patterns that you're describing, these patterns of dysfunction and not ignoring them, not pretending that they're okay, we can make some pretty big impacts with these children. Um, it's, Amazing. It's, it's, it's fascinating. It's really fascinating. Their life. If you know the long-term possible consequences yeah. on a child not rolling on not creeping on not crawling and the neurological impact on their brain right and the potential consequences again not just physical yeah but mental yeah the the trajectory of a life can it's it's almost overwhelming how much that can be changed for the better. There's so much hope, you know, and I'm reminded of, of a story. I have, I have a patient that I, um, I'm really, really close with her. Um, her young baby came to see me. He was premature by about eight weeks. Um, and, uh, I started seeing the baby as soon as the baby got out of the NICU. And this is a failure to thrive kid without a doubt. Yeah. Um, we're seeing more of those. Yeah. It, without a doubt. Yeah. I mean, a lot of it had to do with, uh, mom's mom's delivery. I mean, there's a bunch of uh, obstetric violence that went into this whole thing. I mean, she was assaulted and it was just, it was terrible. Lots of stress. This is more, again, the norm than I would like it to be. But, um, anyway, we started taking care of this kiddo. Uh, obviously the kiddo started thriving. Um, and mama, uh, what I didn't realize at the time works with uh, special needs uh, children and adults. And so she um, works uh, at, at a center that helps to care for a lot of these folks and, and helps them in a lot of ways that um, that uh, I, I don't help in my office. Anyway, one way or another, um, she she missed an appointment one day and uh, that's fairly unusual for her. Uh, found out later that one of her, um, her children that she was working with, her young adults actually, adolescent, had um, quote unquote, escaped from their, their care center. 
Um, he was in limbic lock and load without a doubt in my mind. Um, he had grabbed a, um, a, a knife out of the kitchen. Uh, he ran down the street, went to a bank, tried to rob the bank, uh, and he was shot and killed by the police department. Oh, no. Now, this is not the first time I've heard this story. <laughs> uh, it's, it's awful. It's terrible. And the thing that's so, tr it's so detrimental and so devastating is that uh, we keep hearing these be. things. It doesn't have to be that way. We keep hearing these things and it doesn't have to be that way. I mean, even just helping to educate our law enforcement uh, to, to the actual causes, the underlying dis-ease processes that are going on here will help save a ton of lives. Um, that's one of those stories that just completely, it changes my entire perspective when it comes to caring for these kids. And the universe has a way of delivering these things to me like once every six months or so just to keep me on my game. And I'm sure it's the same way with you. But parents listening, you know, that this theme cannot be worn out. Um, it's, it, these kids can get help as long as you see the right providers. And Monica is absolutely one of those people. Um, I wanted to talk to you about one other thing, Doc, um, on this. Well, we need to talk about a lot of things, but I wanted to talk about one other thing related to this, this concept. Um, this, this stress response, this limbic lock and load. I was talking about this with Dr. Uh, Lauren Kodak, who practices in Denver. Um, it seems like it seems like stress has become so common. This word has become so common that now it's become this just regular part of life. And what I talk to my parents about when they come through the door, uh, you know, they say, well, it's probably just stress. You know, it's probably just stress. And, and my response is, yeah, everything is stress and it's not okay because you go to a typical medical doctor and they say, well, yeah, you know, it's stress. Go do some yoga, go do some meditation. Well, it's not that simple. Um, stress has become so ingrained, distress or bad stress has become so ingrained in our everyday lives uh, that we've basically come up with medical strategies to just deal with the stress as opposed to correcting the cause of the problem. Um, we know that in preconception, and you talked about the work that you do in your office, that that's a huge contributor to a lot of the things we're seeing in our next generation. Can Absolutely. you Can you talk about um, kind of what you're seeing in preconception and what we need to do to change that trajectory for the next generation? Absolutely. Um, first of all, I think we should define stress. Sure. A lot of people, when we, we throw the word stress around, oh, I'm stressed out. Um, I think for the majority of the population, they think of stress as being, I'm stressed because I have a work project. I'm stressed at work. I have a school deadline. Right. Okay. Stress is chemical, physical, or emotional stress on the system. So let's say chemical stress. Chemical stress is the toxins, the plethora of toxins we're, we're breathing and touching on a daily basis. It's foods that we're eating. Um, it's the lack of minerals in our foods. So we've got to look at stress in, a, in more of a to totality rather than I'm just stressed out. Okay. Um, so as far as preconception care, um, you know I do a lot with what we call methylation or neurobiochemistry, and that's that's very in depth for this type of protocol. But basically, we I get I work with parents to get both mom and dad to be to get what I call quote unquote clean and sober, hmm. meaning healthy. Hmm. Um, let's just look at some basics, look some very basics. When a especially when the mom is stressed out, chemically, physically, or emotionally. A, they probably are subluxated as well. They have a biomechanical issue because chemical, physical, and emotional stress is going to create 
stress on the spine and nervous system. So they have to be under chiropractic care. That's that's a absolute go-to. Um, but we also got to look at other stressors. When mom's system is on overload, um, that is going to play over to the baby's stress response. Um, and it can compromise the baby's adrenals. And we're seeing more and more babies born in a fight or flight or what we term a sympathetic dominance. They're in gas pedal mode. Their nervous system is switched on all the time. They cannot calm down. There's two parts of the nervous system. One is the gas pedal and one is the brake pedal. And so many kiddos are born in this gas pedal mode. That's why they're, they seem to be colicky. They don't sleep well. They like to be held all the time. They have to be bounced all those kind of things. They're looking for some kind of calming stimulation. Hmm. So moms, got, get under chiropractic care. Um, know, understand your what's right for your body as far as the birthing process goes. Hmm. Um, a lot of times there's a misconception that, oh, a C-section is easier because I can, the timing, I can do, I can plan whenever I want, and they just make a cut and gently bring the baby out and mm. everything's fine. It's not so much. It's very traumatic on the baby <laughs> um, and on mom. Um, eat a whole food diet. Get the chemical stress off your body. Look at switching to more organic foods as much as possible. Um, there's a list called um, the Dirty Dozen and the Clean 15 from environmentalworkinggroup.org ewg.org look at the ones that are most chemically laden and and get off of those um do some some mindfulness um support your gut health and what we call your adrenals just some basic things to have as most peaceful of a pregnancy that you can hmm. so that that child is not coming out in a stress dominant mode yeah yeah i think um Dr. Samantha Curtis, who's uh, one of my associates in my office, does a lot of preconception work. Uh, it's, um, she started as an NFP practitioner, uh, became a chiropractor, and is doing some amazing work with her patients now. And uh, she would 100% agree with you, no doubt. I mean, when, it, when people come into my office, and you can, you can feel free to agree or disagree, but I tend to triage priorities with um, not just my moms, but uh, pretty much everybody in terms of yeah. uh, not just neural, neurological health, but biochemical health as well. And since you and I uh, have studied together, um, looking at things like methylation has been has been a big part of my practice because what I'm finding out, and I want you to talk about this in just a sec, what I've been finding out is that um, because uh, 23andMe is uh, so easy to get access to, we have um, a lot of folks who are, are you know doing the, the genetic testing, which is great, um, but they're also diagnosing themselves. And uh, as, we, as we know, um, diagnosing and uh, quote-unquote <laughs> treating methylation issues on your own without a lot of knowledge is a, a really bad, bad idea. Um, but, uh, I, I tend to tell my moms, you know, we work really kind of one step at a time, you know, I got to make sure the neuroaxis or the nervous system is firing, uh, and summating the way that we want it to. I want to make sure things are integrating in the brain the way they're supposed to. Um, I want to make sure that my patients can resist gravity. Well, right. There's good movement patterns. There's good symmetry. There's good so-called cerebellar input. Um, but beyond that, uh, I really work in the following order. Um, and, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Um, the first real biochemical, uh, issue that we have to address is blood sugar. <laughs> um, insulin oh. resistance, blood sugar is probably one of the biggest issues I see in 
every single patient that I take care of, not just adults, but kids. Um, beyond that, uh, we're looking at gut permeability issues, gut integrity issues. We're looking at thyroid. We're looking at anemia, oxygen, CO2 transport. Um, we're looking at sex hormone blinding globulin and hormonal issues. Yeah. Uh, I mean, all that stuff is so, so, so important, but it gets missed. And in my office, because my primary approach is structural and neurological, I, I find providers that uh, we can triage these things to and we can work together. Um it's, it's just being missed. It's being missed. I mean, the, the, the ideal patient for me, the patient that I see most commonly, the kiddo is the one who's already been through occupational, physical and speech therapy, oh, yeah. but is still showing major signs of decline. Um, would you, would you say that's fairly accurate in your approach, doc? Absolutely. Absolutely. There's four, there's a lot of people and thanks for bringing that up about the methylation. A lot of people are getting on this kick, especially about this gene called the MTHFR gene. Rule number one is you never treat a gene, okay? You, there is not a cookie cutter recipe. It is not, I have this gene, what we call SNP or mutation, and therefore I have to do A, B, and C because it's not that concrete. Trust, I, I, I was, uh, <laughs> I have many methylation and health, past health issues and um, I, uh, I was privy to uh, So you're absolutely right about missing what I call the ground floor. There's four, I say four ground floor rooms of the house that you want to have a good foundation laid before you start working on the tip of the iceberg stuff. Um, so that is, I call it the poop room because we talk poop a lot. So your gastrointestinal health, and that means from mouth to anus and everything in between. Okay. The second room is your blood sugar room. Absolutely, hands down. Third room, your sleep room. You've gotta have good sleep to repair. It's like plugging in your cell phone. We all, you know, we're all on these electronic devices now and so forth. So you use your cell phone all day long, it runs out of battery, you charge it at night, right? So you can use it all the next day. Your body needs sleep to repair all the breakdown that you've done throughout the day. And then the fourth room, um, and when we, I want to back up to the blood sugar room, I kind of blood sugar slash adrenal glands, those kind of go together. So we have poop room, blood sugar slash adrenals, sleep, and oxygen. Now let's just take a simple, let's take a very simple concept in regards to the musculoskeletal component in regards to oxygen. A lot of individuals have text neck these days and they're on these digital devices and they're slumped over and our kiddos are getting poor and poor quality posture for many reasons. But if you're slumped over and you try to expand your rib cage, taking a deep breath in, and, and anybody in the audience can do this right now, sit kind of slumped over, okay, like you're texting on your cell phone, and try to take a deep breath in and feel if you can expand your rib cage enough to get enough oxygen in. Mm. You can't. Now sit up really tall and do the same thing. Take a deep breath in. Your rib cage and lungs can expand and bring that oxygen in. And we need that for good brain function. So those are four basic rooms that everybody needs to look at and fundamentally get under control. And then you tweak and go higher levels with things such as mitochondrial or methylation or so forth. 
Um, because if you if you work too high on the pyramid to start with, you can topple the whole the whole structure because a person's foundation is not laid, and they don't have good detoxification mechanisms hmm. and um, so on and so forth. Um, and in that, I include four key systems: the neurogastric, the neuroimmune, the neuroendocrine, and the neural sensory because they all spin off of each other. They all support each other. And those are four key essential um, systems that, um, again, we look at a system-wide approach. It's, it's, it's fascinating to me that, you know, even just with babies, right? I mean, I'd say that probably the most common thing that I hear from providers who take care of children um, is, is that they see kids who are constipated, right? It's probably the most, I'd say, like ubiquitous chiropractic mm-hmm. symptom, uh, across uh, all practices. And the common refrain from the pediatricians is that, uh, you know, if they're constipated, then they'll grow out of it, right? But the way that I describe it to my parents is when a baby's born, they basically have three programs, right? They got the sleep program, the poop program, and the eat program, right? And I may have taken that from you. I don't know. But uh, I feel like I absorbed that from somebody that I learned from. But uh, if one of those programs or all of those programs aren't working, uh, we got a problem. We got a real yeah. problem, even if it's just Absolutely. they baby can't sleep, right? That's a third of their biological directive that's being squandered towards stress, um, which means things are breaking down before they can even build up. And at a time when a baby's super vulnerable and they need to be growing, they need to be developing new neurological, uh, you know, structures. Uh, one program being off is is bad news. I mean, my the most famous case I think I have in my in my cadre of cases is a baby that uh, I'm still taking care of now. She's about three years old now. Um, but when I first started seeing her, she's about three to four months old and she hadn't pooped more than once every 14 days. And her pediatrician said, she's going to be fine. It's okay. She'll grow out of it. No, she won't. It's not okay. Even if she starts pooping again, she's got major gut permeability issues we've got to address. She's got neuroimmune issues we've got to address. Um, and it indicates that she's in fight or flight mode. And, you know, we dig deep and we find out that the the birth was not great. The pregnancy was not great. There was a lot of stress and a lot of fear and a lot of uh, uncertainty. And all that stuff contributes. And, and I think, you know, the stuff that you're describing, it's it can't be understated. Because, again, it, it's so common that parents and even physicians, like they assume that it's totally normal and it's not okay. Uh, but if we can address this stuff early and often, um, it changes the trajectory of these children's lives and an entire generation. Um, going back to MTHFR, I think it would be a waste of our time together if we didn't dig into this a little bit more deeply. Um, it, one of the things that we uh, practitioners like you and I and uh, all of our colleagues are noticing associated with methylation issues are midline defects okay namely tethered oral tissues um tongue tie is a big buzz term these days um i see midline tethers on at least 50 percent of my babies um big ones that are being missed by other practitioners nurses in the hospital and they're not usually anterior ties i see a lot of posterior ties that are being missed um lip ties and whatnot um the old standard of care was clip the tie if there's a latching issue. But we know better now. Um, and we found in my community, we found a, a pediatric dentist who does laser revision, who's very knowledgeable about uh, this sort of new standard of care with regards to tether. Um, 
I'd love for you to clue into this and give us a preview because I'm going to be studying with you in, in February down in San Diego on some of the stuff and we get to hear Dr. Murphy talk as well. Um, let's, let's dish on this. Let's talk to parents about what this means for their children and their health. Well, it is, it's a good topic to bring up. Yes, you're right. Um, we call it TOTS or tethered oral tissue can be a tongue or lip tie. One thing that's very important to understand, do not rely on feeding or speech issues to be a diagnostic criteria for tethered oral tissues. So that's number one to get off the docket. Um, number two, I think it is dealing with somebody that understands the totality of the situation, meaning we can get the revisions, um, but it is, it's a myofascial restriction. It's, 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 I, I say that the fascia is like gristle and meat. Mm -hmm. it, goes, it goes through the whole body. It goes, it wraps around the nerves, the muscles, the joints, everything. So when we have this piece of tissue, let's say underneath the tongue, that's a tongue tie, it's called the frenulum, it's underneath the tongue, um, and it's, it's anchored down. I wanna go over some really basic concepts. It can be anchored down a little bit, but still cause an issue or significantly where the child can't lift their tongue up at all. That anchor um, causes tension down the entire spine from the cranium down to the base of the, what we call the sacred, the, the coccyx, the, tail, the tailbone. Mm -hmm. There's this constant t tension. So it's kind of like this constant restriction, and that can result in a, a plethora of things. It can result in irritation of the, cra the cranial bones and especially the upper neck bones, which is critical neurologically for the function of this, I call it the big bad voodoo daddy nerve, this thing called the vagus nerve, mm -hmm. which pretty much, Doc, everything we've talked about today has a vagus nerve component. Vagus, baby. Okay. <laughs> so if you have this master nerve that's under this constant tension and not being able to do its job, there's a whole bunch of things that can happen, gastrointestinal issues, reflux issues. But the other thing, if we go back to the very beginning of our talk about movement and sensory development, that upper neck can be, um, we talked about text neck and this bad posture and your neck being down all the time. Same kind of concept with this tethered oral tissue. It anchors um, the, the neck and the, Sensory systems, especially in the upper neck area, there's two prominent ones. One's called vestibular and one's called proprioceptive. System is, is, a, is the master, it's the conductor, the orchestra of all sensory systems. And we know now, even in the neuropsychiatric realm, okay, for mental disorders, that that vestibular system is critical and getting us upright against gravity and progressive movement, like rolling, cr belly creeping, crawling, standing, walking. Hmm. And it is also the linchpin in integration of the primitive reflexes and all the sensory systems. Hmm. So back if we have this tie, this tongue tie, and that upper neck is constantly under this tension, and the whole body actually will be under tension, but let's just hone it in for the sake of this lecture, of this talk of the upper neck area. 
we have a whole consequential um, triad that can start to mount up and from, again, take it right back to what we talked about, a sensory realm, a gastric realm, an immune realm, um, and an endocrine realm. Mm. So tethered oral tissue is not just a speech or feeding issue. There's a lot of long-term potential consequences if it's not dealt with. Yeah, we've had stories from colleagues of ours who are full-blown adults who have had ties revised in adulthood and have had uh, immediate cognitive change. Um, This is no small thing. Um, It is definitely increasing in frequency, uh, at least from what I've seen in my practice, and it's due in no small part, I believe, uh, to these these changes in in methylation that we're we're seeing and increase in folic acid utilization instead of folate during pregnancy. and I'm sure there's other prevailing theories as well. And so when I identify these things, um, I, I get a second opinion immediately from somebody that I trust to make the right decision to help with this stuff, regardless of whether or not there's a latching or a speech issue, as you said. Although a lot of the time there is definitely there's going to be a problem. Um, having this conversation with allied healthcare providers has been a bit of a challenge because, uh, you know, even though we do have some good data on this, it's still very much in its infancy in our understanding. And so talking to IBCLCs, for example, and saying, no, actually, we do need to get this thing revised uh, has been... um, it's been a, an uphill battle, uh, but uh, we're getting a little bit of traction one uh, one step at a time. So um, I'm sure I'd you're... like to add one quick thing um, for, for listeners to think about. And you and I kind of think along this realm, practitioners like us. I always think about the why. Mm. If there is a tie, if there's tethered oral tissue, why? what might be the cause and what might be the long-term consequences? Right. So we talked about, you know, some of them, but a lot of people are saying, well, why now? Why is methylation issues have been around forever? That's correct. Mm -hmm. They have been. MTHFR mutations have been around forever. That's correct. Mm -hmm. Tethered oral tissue, it's getting more, the problems associated with it because of the toxic load we live in now, the chemical, physical, and emotional stressors, that is what alters gene expression for the most part. Right. Okay, so it's cleaning up those ground floors, rooms, and getting that stress off the system so those genes aren't further hampered from all the toxic stressors. Right. Yeah, and I mean, that's why, because of the increase in toxins, that's why we're seeing more problems with methylation, more, more uh, frequent tethered oral tissue kiddos coming in the whole domino effect from all those stressors. And what you're describing, Doc, is a common refrain throughout the podcast in the last, you know, many episodes we've recorded, and that's the the disease processes that we see in public these days are direct reflection of this sort of disharmony with the environment, right? The more toxic or allostatic load, the more stress load that we take in, the harder it is for our bodies to right themselves. And uh, as a result, we're seeing more creative, uh, quote unquote, creative adaptations to uh, to this toxic load and, and seeing things like sensory processing um, issues. I mean, I, I see a fair amount of oppositional kids in my practice as well, and it's yeah. it's tough. It's really tough. The first pandas kid that I took care of in my practice was a real eye-opening experience because uh, these kids are really stinking sick. Um, but again, you know, it, we we're coming up with more novel ways based on our understanding of the underlying neurophysiology and biochemistry to help these children and, and 
you know, honestly, I gotta say, guys, docs like Monica uh, are the only ones who are doing this work. Right. There are other allied healthcare professionals who are really coming on, on board, but they are few and far between. Um, and so I thank Dr. Monica for all the work that she has done, uh, the research that she has done to help more and more children get healthy. Um, Doc, will you share with our doctors who are listening um, when in the near future you're going to be speaking so that we can get them to a, to a seminar? Oh, absolutely. I have a uh, program called Intersect for Life. So I-N-T-E-R-S-E-C-T, the number four, life, intersectforlife.com. So you can go to our web our webpage. But we're going to be the, doing the Tethered Oral Tissue Conference in San Diego uh, February 23rd and 24th. Um, I'm going to be doing a neurofunctional um, live class in Vancouver, British Columbia in March. Um, and then we do some good online, um, classes and for you docs out there, CE approved. So can get pajamas and learning at the same time, hmm. but, um, all that's available. All the information is on intersectforlife.com or our Facebook page, which is intersect for life, um, educational seminars. Hmm. So we'd love to have you. Um, we need help out there. We need to, um, we need to spread the word, and, and uh, our motto is changing lives and changing the future for generations to come, and that's what we need help on. And I got to say, you know, having um, having taken Dr. Monica's uh, 3M course, methylation and mitochondria and metabolism course, uh, that's a brain melter, guys. Regardless of how you practice, you really need to learn this this information. It's incredible. I, I it was funny, Doc. I, I still remember uh, what three years ago when I took that class. I had come up to I think I was in the Bay for a conference. Um, and I stayed a few extra days and I was just posted up in my hotel room for four hours at a time going through this information and I'm just like, Oh God, too much. It's, it's an overload. Um, and for those of you folks who are not hooked up with intersect for life, uh, you need to be, um, it's what, like 50 bucks a month to be a part of the, the web community. We have a learning, yeah, we have an online, what we call the learning Academy. It's only 49 bucks a month. We have a ton of information on there. We're always adding stuff. Um, in a couple of weeks, Dan, you're going to get the, um, the gut rehab lecture I did. That's going to be up. We have marketing tools. We have, um, videos of reflexes, how to do them, how to integrate them. Um, we have quarterly live calls. It's a lot, um, a lot of cool stuff. And that's because we need more people out there changing, um, changing the world. The, uh, the, the content there is amazing. I'm on the site at least twice a day, just kind of getting my brain filled. And, um, you, you couple that with, you know, our textbooks and all of our other data that we have to help. I mean, it's, you work with one kiddo who has a, a certain reflex that we get to integrate. And then you try to apply that to another kiddo. It doesn't exactly work the same way. You got to come up yeah. and get creative with the way we do this stuff. So yeah. thank you very much yeah. for putting that content out. So doc, um, I really, really appreciate your time. Uh, I know you're very, very busy and, uh, this is, this has been an incredible interview. I, I can't wait for people to hear it. Um, Docs, if you're out there and uh, and you, you want to get a piece of this, um, go to intersectforlife.com, reach out to Dr. Berger, go study with her at her office in Idaho uh, and learn as much as you can uh, because this is, this is some amazing stuff. And if you're a parent and you like this content, please, by all means, share this content. Uh, share it on Facebook, share it on Twitter, share it on Instagram. Use the hashtag normalize chiropractic 
and use the other hashtag normalized normal uh, and together guys will will save a life so thank you dr Berger, for taking your time i really appreciate My you pleasure. and i can't wait to see you in february all right guys god bless take care take care bye Thank you.